0: Friday, learn the secrets behind the making of Star Wars. Here they come. Then, a legendary creature with an unearthly thirst for revenge seeks her next victim in Curse of the Black Widow, right after the making of Star Wars. Friday, starting at 8, 7 Central and Mountain on ABC.
1: And Move Milkers everywhere, welcome to episode number 67 of Blast Points. This is Jason. Hey, and it's Gabe. And this week we are talking about the first ever Star Wars documentary, The Making of Star Wars. And you know what, Jason? After watching this again, I don't know if I ever saw this before. What? I was trying to rack my brain and maybe I saw it once and completely forgot everything, but I don't know that I ever saw this. Wow. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it was pretty good to watch. It's the original, it's the first, it's the trendsetter in Star Wars documentaries. And it still holds up. It's still, it's it's like Star Wars documentary 101 plus 1,000. It's amazing to go back and watch something that was made between A New Hope and Empire, too, because there's so much of, you know, watching, making a Star Wars things and going back where it talks about the saga and the trilogy or, you know, multiple films and like basically seeing what the world was like only after the first film is pretty fun to go back and see. It's completely unknown what's next. And it's all about just that, you know, there's only Star Wars and just the impact of what that one movie did to people without even, yeah, you know, six more years of, Minds being blown by the other two movies. What's going to happen in the sequels? I don't know. You know, will Darth Vader be back? (laughs) So the making of Star Wars was first aired on September 16th, 1977, which is crazy because that was just like, what, four months after the movie came out? Yeah, that's pretty incredible that they were able to put this together that fast. So, I mean, I guess that's just a good... Indication of just how much of a phenomenon Star Wars was that they are like, we got to get it was a primetime special, too, right? Wasn't it on it was on TV, right? Oh, yeah. It was written by Richard Schickel, who we know from our past episode of From Star Wars to Jedi. Um, he also did the SPFX Empire Strikes Back documentary, and it was uh, directed and produced by Robert who also did the spfx documentary and it was produced by gary kurtz and it is a lucasfilm production the Mm -hmm. making of star wars and it looks like uh, ben burt was listed i think as doing some of the photography as well it's fascinating to go back and watch it because it was the (laughs) first time we heard about like models blue screen matte painting stop motion motion control yeah because it goes really in depth with that stuff i was really impressed for being so old, like they, you know, showing the different layers and everything. I mean, kind of that set the standard for visual effects documentaries kind of to, to this day of just the way it's presented and explained to people. I can always, when I was watching it again, I was thinking, like, man, I wonder how many kids and people watched this in 77 on TV, went on to have a career in effects. Like, how many people did this making of Star Wars inspire? I would think a lot, because I feel like if you're in that time frame, if you were trying to track down, how do they do this stuff? How did it happen? Like, I th- would think you would run into this, except for at that time, if you didn't see it on TV, it was probably a while before you could see it again, right? Because when did the first uh, home video release come out? Now, this is interesting because it has, it has a long history on VHS. The, the first version came out in 1979 on VHS, and then it came out again in 1980, and it had a trailer for Empire Strikes Back on it. And then it came out again in 82, doubled up with SPFX. And then it didn't come out again for 10 years in 92, in it with a triple feature with this SPFX and Return of the Jedi Classic Creatures, which is another great documentary that I'm sure one day we'll definitely do a show about. Yes. Then... It came out in 1995 that it was only available as a video cassette mail away with Kellogg's cereal. Now, this one, the 95 mail away version, is really interesting because this is the making of Star Wars special edition. The narrator on all other versions is William Conrad, who's fantastic, right? That's oh, yeah, one of the best parts of the documentary.
0: Hollywood, California. August
1: 1977 A triumphant moment in screen history In the the Breakfast Cereal 95 version Everything is the same Except all the narration is replaced by Trailer guy Don LaFontaine Who did like every trailer in the 80s and 90s Hollywood
0: California August 1977 A triumphant moment
1: in screen history. That's really weird. It's completely the same, but the voiceover is different. And it was only released that one time on the breakfast cereal version. I wonder if there was like a licensing thing or maybe because of the time frame, like they didn't they had to renegotiate the rights with the original narrator or something. I mean, that usually... It's how that stuff happens, like where the, they'll change the music on a on a home video release or something because the, the rights for the original release is a different legal thing than the re-release. I don't know. That's wild. But then the next time it comes out is on the Blu-ray set, and it's back to the original William Conrad version. What's up with that? I feel extra bad now, too, that I've never seen this since it's been released. So <laughs> there's so many opportunities <laughs> for me to watch this. I don't know how I never saw it. <laughs> but what's double weird is or somebody must have gone in and reconfigured the whole sound mix for the whole making of Star Wars because all the sound effects and all the things that are over or mixed with the narrator's voice those are all the same and that's like that was that was pre special edition special edition Yeah, well, that was right around the time of the the THX version when they first came out in widescreen in the black boxes with the half the faces. Totally. weird. Well, then parts of it were also edited into the super fantastic story of Star Wars promo bonus DVD that came with uh, Revenge of the Sith at Best Buy. No, at Walmart. I'm sorry. Do you remember that? No. (laughs) (laughs) It was a weird DVD that was a bonus DVD when you bought Revenge of the Sith at Walmart. I was too busy watching the A Musical Journey DVD from the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. With the very excited Ian McDermott. Yeah. Hello. I'm Ian McDermott. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think, Gabe? Should we start diving into uh, the making of Star Wars? Yeah, let's get into it. It begins... August 1977, which is crazy, too. That footage was just a month before the episode aired on TV. Yeah, I I guess maybe it makes sense because it was probably put together like a news report. So, you know, where they, I guess it's the way you do it, right? They would just probably went out, interviewed people kind of like it was a, you know, something you would put on the evening news. Mm -hmm. You got footage of Man's Chinese Theater with R2-D2 C-3PO Invader uh, putting their feet in the cement I could watch that stuff all day. Yeah, all the shots of the of the little kids freaking out in shock, seeing their, uh, seeing the robots for real.
0: Thousands are gathered to see the metallic megastars place their footprints and cement in the theater's courtyard. As the two heroes of Star Wars make their indelible impressions on the ground reserved for Mobyland's legends, the world resounds with the fact that Star Wars itself has become a full-fledged
1: social phenomenon. It has become more than just a movie. <laughs> people what, with huh? iron-on shirt, Star Wars shirts, which just iron-on letters they made. Yeah, those like homemade, like baby blue, "May the Force be with you" T-shirts. Yeah, I'm like, did you notice all the people in like the old um, 1977 ILM crew Star Wars T-shirts that are handling the droids and stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh. If I had a time machine, I would go back in time. To 77 yeah. And be like don't worry I won't go find baby me and create a paradox right. I just want some of those Iron on letter Star Wars shirts Right I'm just here for some shirts <laughs> And I'll be back in the time machine Maybe a pair of pants or two There's that one shot of those two kids That look like They're about to Their brains are about to explode as they look at R2-D2 And stuff and I was wondering like man Where are those kids today Yeah I don't think they've recovered <laughs> They're just laying down somewhere. They should be at celebration signing autographs. Yeah, they should. They should be just as famous as the the two guys from the back of the Kiss Alive album, you know? Yeah. Yeah, who we are holding the sign. At the end where the uh, the narrator says it has become more than just a movie. He was right. It's a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> Telling the future. <laughs> So after that, we cut to R2D2 and C3PO in and some kind of uh, awesome space age set, right? Yeah, a very un Star Wars set. I was trying to figure out if it was like leftover from Doctor Who or uh, <laughs> maybe from Silent Running or something. Space 1999. And it's just a room with all different shape and size uh, video screens that they can walk around and, and watch.
2: Oh, how did this whole thing start? I really don't know. You're quite right, R2. It has happened too quickly. All that suffering. It is time we sorted it all out. Do you think your memory bank is up to it? So Gabe,
1: this really got me thinking. That this backs up the theory of the the Journal of the Wills. Which says like, okay, wait a minute. If C-3PO and R2-D2 are in, let's assume this is supposed to be like a Star Wars place. Talking about George Lucas and all this stuff... Then if we're to really take this for real, then they're actually in Star Wars, and they're talking about the Star Wars movie, and those are two different things. You're right. It's it's R2 and 3PO somewhere in the far future of Star Wars land. Yes. Star Wars universe, right? Basically reminiscing on showing the either video footage that they took or <laughs> scenes from... The, yeah, the film adaptation of the Wills that really happened. Yes, like they, perhaps they're <clears throat> assuming that C-3PO and R2-D2 in the Star Wars movies are the real C-3PO and R2-D2 from the real Star Wars that happened. Maybe, now that uh, Bob Iger's talking about after episode 9, that episode 10 takes place on Earth in modern day. <laughs> when uh, R2 and 3PO basically <laughs> enter our galaxy and have to tell the world. I'm it's about ready. Time. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna show the the story of young George Lucas finding the Journal of the Wills in Marin County, California, and maybe they'll explain Spalco heading off into Rebels' world. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. They got caught up with the interdimensional beings again. Mm-hmm. It all connects. It all connects. People. <sighs> it's all there if you look for it.
2: I want to know. Tell me. I'm ready. I want to know.
1: So after that, there's some great behind the scenes footage with uh, Peter Mayhew running with uh, no suit on. I think that's a thing that comes back throughout this whole documentary. Like, I'm amazed at what making of behind the scenes footage they use. It's pretty, it's good stuff. And it's like, it's not just like, almost like the kind of stuff you'd get sometimes in a behind the scenes now where it's like, stuff that really doesn't give anything away or it's pretty close to what you see in the final film like this is like down and dirty behind the scenes you know with them giving lucas a hard time Mm -hmm. about the takes and harrison just saying bang 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 (laughs) bang bang like it's not taking itself too seriously Mm -hmm. and not afraid to kind of give away the magic in a way on the planet earth not too long ago
0: a rehearsal for one of Star Wars' most exciting scenes.
2: Bang, bang. Don't it's too late. Bang, bang.
1: Which is cool because it kind of that does kind of become a I think a theme of Star Wars behind the scenes going forward. Like then Star Wars was never afraid to really show you the the down and dirty of how the movie was made and how it happened. When I, I, that whole way of doing behind the scenes documentaries, that's like those are the ones that work. Those are the ones that people still talk about. Like the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or even from Star Wars to Jedi Has some of that Like the ones people always go back to And are like, no, these are the ones you got to watch So shortly after that There's my favorite part in the whole documentary When C-3PO is saying You know perfectly well where it began It began with Mr. Lucas <laughs> Yeah, I knew you were going to mention that Yeah, Mr. Lucas <laughs> Basically foreshadowing his clone George I- Lucas <laughs> Every time C-3PO says, Mr. Lucas, I, I die a little bit. It takes about an hour off my life. My, yeah. heart, my heart starts beating a little too fast. It adds 20 minutes to the length of the documentary because you have to pause it there and regain your composure. <laughs> Drink some fluids. Mr. Hook, Lucas. Hook an IV up to my arm.
2: It began with Mr. Lucas.
1: <laughs> so right after that, we cut to George Lucas driving a car somewhere in California. Looking awesome. He's got the window down. He's got one hand out the window. Just driving around. Just being Lucas. The, the, the wind blowing through his hair. George Lucas, 33 years old, writer and director of Star Wars. 77 Lucas hair is pretty amazing. Oh, his whole look in this documentary. I'm saying the hair is unbelievable. It's like waves. It's like an ocean. He's got the whole Pacific Ocean on top of his head. His glasses are unbelievable. Yeah, and there's a lot of top-shelf Lucas shirts and sweaters in this documentary. (laughs) And When he gets out of the car and he walks into his house, I I paused it, and I was just really looking at his style, and he's rocking the white tennis shoes, the blue jeans. Which he still rocks to this day. I know. And his his plaid shirt is extra plaid. Like, yeah. if, like we always talk about the George Lucas collection of plaid shirts. That should be like the first one offered. I agree. That's like the flagship shirt. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's pretty. You got to give the guy some credit. Like he figured out who he was in the mid 70s. And he's still that same guy, like the mm-hmm. same shoes, the same shirt. He's like he's got it down. I would love a just like a show about George Lucas going shopping. Where does he get the shirts? Where does he get the shoes? How, how can I shop at these stores? Yeah, I think that was a missed opportunity. There should have been a, the Lucas family reality show. But instead of like family drama, it's just shopping trips to get final shirts. Yeah, like where do you think he gets them? They come from a store somewhere. He probably doesn't have them like custom made. So we gotta find out the mysteries. No one will ever know my secret, my secret shirts.
2: I think one of the key factors in the uh, success is that it's a positive film. It has heroes and villains and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure.
1: I really like the next part where they kind of they talk about the inspiration for Star Wars and they show kind of some of the classic swashbuckling pirate movies. And that clip from Flash Gordon, I think, is awesome just from the fact that it's like it's basically it's the Jedi jump from Attack of the Clones. It's mm-hmm. like right there in Flash Gordon.
2: Flash who?
0: My forces have you surrounded Tarkov? They will attack if you do not surrender immediately. Well, there they we are. Have you seen you boys?
1: Well, and actually, I think that's of the stuff that they show. I mean, there's two iconic prequel scenes that were from Flash Gordon. Basically, they show the, uh, the view screen, which they took pretty much straight up in Phantom Menace. And then, yeah, the Flash Gordon jumping from a ship and falling and landing on another ship. Like, all that stuff was there in Flash Gordon. It's like, it's exact, almost, the the footage they show. Yeah, and Lucas just amped it up. <laughs> I also really like the narrator when he's talking about uh, Han Solo. The way he says pirate, it sounds like space parrot. For their adventures, Luke and old Ben must ally themselves with a mercenary
0: space parrot, the cynical Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford. Yeah, there's some
1: very good uh, Star Wars pronunciations in here. This is Chewbacca the Wookiee. Chewbacca the Wookiee. Someone used to make a, uh, every time anyone's ever said Wookiee, and just play them all back to back. Wookie. Wookie. Chewbacca. Wookiee.
2: rookie wookie.
1: Yeah, I like they. I think just before this or just after two, there's the, the behind the scenes of uh Han shooting the blaster as he runs into the Falcon. Bang! 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 Well, no, there is that one, but then there's the second one which is the one where he's actually firing the blanks. Oh, but yeah. it's the great Han Solo where he's barely even aiming, which is always a favorite part of New Hope. Just flopping around, yeah. yeah. Just after that, too, the part with Vader. Oh, yeah, so Vader shows up in R2 and C-3PO's Space Place. Even before that, the behind-the-scenes thing, when they put his helmet on. Oh, Think yeah. Think about that. Like If it's 1977, it's kind of cool how close to what the helmet coming off in Jedi actually looks to the just the helmet that they had at the time and it's kind of like it's i don't know it's eerie it's like wow that's what we're gonna see in return of the jedi in six years and they're kind of giving it away a little bit in this behind the scenes as they put the helmet on lowering it on you almost like want to hear like the suction noises like when luke takes it off but yeah then what you're saying then it gets then it gets really wild yeah vader shows up his hologram shows up at uh, r2 and 3po space place and scares r2 out of his mind starts freaking out (laughs)
2: <laughs> r2d2 come back at once what's the matter r it's all right go oh, that stupid machine i don't know what he'd do
1: without me it's pretty incredible that hologram he doesn't say anything you know no but it zooms in on his face to make it extra spooky so kind of after that we cut to behind the scenes footage of them filming in tunisia which is, again, the, the choice of behind-the-scenes stuff is great. So you get the what the iconic scene of 3PO kicking R2 and them arguing, which I always love to see behind the scenes of the Tunisia stuff because those the way those scenes are shot in the film, it's hard to tell if they were really in the desert or it's a matte painting or, you know, it's trickery just because the, the desert's so kind of overwhelming and mm-hmm. just the colors and how hot everything feels. Like, there's scenes that I still, to this day, I can, it's hard for me to, believe that they were really there because it's kind of so otherworldly looking a real desert (laughs) tunisia north africa
0: here george lucas and a film crew of 130 people from england and the united states recreated the planet of tatooine a strange
1: world where the robots landed after their escape from the imperial forces. If you get close-up looks at a Gonk droid, you get like close-up look at that um, the spider droid that was in the the Sandcrawler. Yeah, that Gonk droid shot in particular is like super hot because I don't know that that actual Gonk droid even shows up on screen in the movie, does it? With um, all the extra doodads and bits on it. Yeah, I don't know, but a pretty great look at yeah all the. All the chunky bits of a of a Gonk droid, all the yeah. all the details. Well, and then all the shots of the spider droid again. Like this is 1977, right? And you're seeing the Luke big scene, yeah, and, right? not, and not realizing it. Do you remember when you were watching this? Because this is like I didn't, I'd never seen this before, but I can't imagine before the special edition seeing this and not just flipping out. Well, there were, there were always like photos, and it was I, I it's it's in the Marvel comic.
0: To create the world of Tatooine, cargo planes and oversized trans-European moving vans brought thousands of pieces of equipment and props to the remote Tunisian desert. Construction crews worked for two
1: months to build the dwellings and towns of the exotic planet. For just kind of a quick and dirty special shown on TV, like, there's some deep cuts in here. that uh, (laughs) You know, it's going (laughs) to probably haunt people for decades to come after this. At least till ninety five, right? Or I mean ninety seven. So you know, mm-hmm. twenty twenty years of like I, this exists somewhere. When are we going to see it? Well, no I mean, I guess some of the big stuff they showed the like black and white footage of it in the. It was the behind the was it the behind the magic, magic. CD-ROM. Yeah, the CD-ROM had some of that. Yeah, one day we'll do an episode on the CD-ROM. Figure out how we can play a CD-ROM on modern technology. <laughs> Just hold it up to the light. I think you can see the. <laughs> The images on the disc.
0: Among the strangest inhabitants of Tatooine, robots, or droids, as they are called in the film. 25
1: different models of them. Yeah, lots of awesome stuff about Jawas and sand people. I like when they're talking about the sand people, the narrator says, animal, vegetable, and mineral. The early production drawings of the sand people
0: don't specify.
1: Yeah, I want to know who uh, who came up with that line, because I hope I hope they got a lot of work. Where's that on a t-shirt? We a, can make it happen. A sand person head, animal, vegetable, or mineral? Uh, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it is? You know, and watching this, too, for a minute, I was like, man... I'm wasting my time watching the Blu-rays all the time. I should just be watching a pan and scan VHS copy of A New Hope, like taped from television. You know, I was thinking the same thing because really, if I want to get like nostalgic as a kid, right, watching A New Hope pan and scan was, that's how I watched it. And Mm -hmm. I think I potentially have more memories of watching it pan and scan. Yeah. Like taped off someone else's VHS tape or (laughs) off TV, like then than I've seen uh, it on Blu-ray. Like with washed-out colors. And just, like, zoomed in on everyone's face. <laughs> it's true. It's like, it is kind of funny to think that there's so many people and kids and, you know, older older kids at this point that, you know, never watched a pan and scan VHS tape or pan and scan DVD even, because the pan and scan versions all came in on DVD as well. Yeah, what's funny, too, is as a kid, like I remember watching the Siskel and Ebert special on widescreen and letterbox, and I was like oh my god like it blew my mind it was when i was in college i had a, a 12 inch tv and i was watching like wrath of khan in widescreen on a 12 <laughs> yeah. inch tv television because yeah. i've always been hardcore about widescreen but yeah yeah now in my old age it's time to go back to some really awful looking pan and scan yes yeah. but it is funny to think it's like For how much, you know, at the time, you're like, man, I can't believe I'm watching a movie on a 12-inch TV widescreen. Now you'll watch a movie on your phone, (laughs) which is the equivalent of a 12-inch pan and scan or a widescreen on a 12-inch TV 20 years ago. I remember everybody giving me a hard time because I had a DVD player when DVD players were new hooked up to a 12-inch TV. But yeah, now... People totally happy watching them. Watching a widescreen movie on an even smaller screen. Yeah. So you're, you're ahead of your time. Was, you're trendsetter. I know, right? Like George Lucas. Like Mr. Lucas. Mr. Lucas. It began with Mr. Lucas. That's uh, uh, me. Uh. Do you think George Lucas has ever... I mean, we've seen him like in Incognito at Disneyland wearing like a hat. But do you think in like the 70s he could even fit like a hat on his hair? No, probably not. Unless he got like custom hats made. I think this is that's a good segue into the, the next shot in the documentary, basically, which is the I guess it's kind of an iconic shot, right? Of him and Alec Guinness sitting in the chairs in the desert with a whole different style giant Lucas hair. Where it's kind of in the humidity and wind It's kind of puffed it up even bigger <laughs> I <laughs> hope that's what him and Alec Guinness Were talking about you are probably talking about conditioner What kind of conditioner do you use on that Mr. Lucas? <laughs> yeah I don't I've never, I've never washed my hair Ever I lose my powers Yeah <laughs> <laughs> The oils in my hair are where I get all my ideas from It was in the wills I found this mysterious book in Marin County That sounds like a bunch of hogwash <laughs> Saralic
0: Guinness, a knight playing a knight, brought to the Star Wars set a theatrical
1: tradition that inspired
0: the youthful production
1: company. Then, then so speaking of hair, there's a great shot of Chewbacca getting his hair done. Yes, with the hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knew Chewie was like an Aquanet endorser? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense, too, because in New Hope Chewbacca, he's got that smooth head. It's true. You're right. He doesn't get, he's not like wild and loose. Like yeah, uh, return of the Jedi, Chewbacca. Uh, I hope if they make a Chewbacca Star Wars story, it's called Wild and Loose,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> which can be crazy. In the the Han movie, I wonder if he's gonna. Well, no, I mean there was that picture of them in the Falcon, but yeah, I was gonna say I wonder if he'd be like super smooth, like New Hope style. At least at some point, right? Yeah. Maybe uh, Han introduces him to hairspray, and then Chewie's like, "I love this stuff." <laughs> take it back from my whole family. Have you seen my grandpa Itchy? That guy. He's the king of wild and loose. Yeah. Well, yeah, then Lumpy is real. Lumpy is the smoothest.
3: All right,
1: so after that, we cut to, there's a bunch of interviews with Harrison Ford. Yeah, which are great. He's like, I think. He's like hanging out with a bunch of, like, by boats. He's in a boat. Oh. They, they, they pull back later on. He's just in, like, a little boat. He's just sitting in a boat. Talking about how Chewbacca is the Wookiee. <laughs> uh, Chewbacca, Chewbacca is the is the Wookiee. He's two hundred years old,
0: and I don't know if this ever comes out in the picture, but he's he is two hundred years old. He's capable of flying the spaceship, and uh, I'm capable of understanding his language.
1: But then he's you know again dropping some some deep knowledge, right? He's basically letting you know Chewbacca's two hundred years old. I don't know that anybody knew that before this. So maybe, you know, maybe that wasn't even a Lucasfilm thing. It's just Harrison, you know, hallucinating in his little boat. (laughs) Like, I think the Wookiee's 200 years old. (laughs) He's like, in between takes on the the documentary, he drinks an entire bottle of wine. All right, right, yeah, he's 200 years old, whatever. He's a special kind of dog.
2: (laughs) I related to him as if he were a special kind of dog. I thought kids would find him real frightening. So I wanted
0: a
1: relationship with him that would imply trust and equality. (laughs) He's the Wookiee. I I wonder if they asked Harrison Ford, where do you want to do an interview for a primetime TV special? I don't know, a bunch of boats. Let me sit in my little little (laughs) boat somewhere. Yeah, he's like I'm just I'll be in my boat all week. If you piss me off and ask me something I don't like, I'm just gonna sail away in this boat real fast. <laughs> just float away. Not even fast. He's just slowly float away, staring <laughs> just away from the dock, yeah. staring at the camera as he floats away. But it is funny to hear him like going, "Well, you know, he's kind of scary, so I wanted to show that we had a special relationship, and you know, he put a lot of thought into the Wookie." <laughs> so shortly after that. You got George Lucas talking about the inspiration for Chewbacca and his... I thought it was interesting, he mentions his dog, Indiana. And this was still about four years before Rares the Lost Ark even happened.
2: Uh, the Wookiee actually came from uh, my dog, Indiana, who is a big, malamute, very large, furry dog. that looks a lot like the Wookiee, only slightly smaller.
1: But the prophecy, this documentary, <laughs> this is all the prophecies. But let's, let's take a minute and talk about George Lucas's office. <laughs> The gumball machine. Yes. So all I could think of is like George Lucas, Star Wars comes out, it's a huge hit. He's rich. First thing he does, I need a giant gumball machine for my office, and not just that looks any like a rocket. Yeah, <laughs> it's a rocket full of gumballs. He's like, when they do this documentary, you, you got to do it in my office. You got to show the world my rocket gumball machine, <laughs> and it's half full. So. Was it full at one time, and he's already eaten half of his supply of gumballs? I, I like to think so. <laughs> he's trying to sit in his office. He's like, "I'm George Lucas. I'm eating all these gumballs. No one's going to tell me no." <laughs> if any, maybe that's the real secret, like of of his divorce, it was like <laughs> so five years later. She's like, "You got you got a you got a gumball habit. I can't handle it. I can't see you like this, George. It's either me or the gumballs. Um, <laughs> uh, gumballs win. Uh. You're blowing bubbles all the time." <laughs> It's getting stuck in your beard. It's gross. They go out to a fancy dinner at Francis Coppola's house, and he's got gumball all in his beard. I didn't even know. How many Every- gumballs did you have today, George? Yeah, uh, everyone's, dr- so everyone's drinking, and he just has a wine glass full of gumballs. Yeah, and to make things worse, he's got a framed picture of Marsha Lucas behind him. Giving him a dirty look, it looks like. <laughs> the gumballs. He's got a little old-fashioned rocket ship sitting on his desk. And did you notice his chair is so big it makes him look like he's a child? It is the world's biggest chair. You're right. Oh. And the desk is pretty big too, yeah. Yeah. I want a big, big chair, big desk. I'm a big guy now. In a big gumball machine. In a big rocket ship gumball machine. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like it's a good thing that phone is in this in the scene, because if the phone wasn't there, yeah, you would have no idea the scale of what's going on in his office. <laughs> Hello. George Lucas. I'm in my big chair. <laughs> 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 we'll post if you're watching, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what these guys are talking. About, wait, go to our Facebook page, and uh, when this episode comes out, we'll have the whole documentary posted on there, so you can check out the gumball machine for yourself. <laughs> So after that, we kind of go to an effects breakdown of Luke with the training remote, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and the uh, the stop motion chess scene as well. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the chess pieces are actually rubber
0: figures wired with movable joints.
1: So they're just getting into the nitty gritty here of uh, all the different passes, how stop motion. Which what do they call it? It's like they call it. Uh, it's got a different. They call it something different. It's like this is before all the terms were kind of standardized.
0: Using stop action photography. Every movement of the creatures is filmed one frame
1: at a time. Well, if we go to any um, effects panels at Celebration, we should just be like, tell us more about the stop-action photography. Is there going to be any in The Last Jedi? There are 365 special photographic effects in Star Wars, more than in any other movie. There's a great part after that of uh, George Lucas kind of talking about the Force, which is kind of cool.
2: 77 style. It's sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, uh, The fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny uh, or uh, works for good and also works for evil is uh, always been very basic in mankind.
1: It's breaking it down. Then it kind of goes in depth on like blue screen 101, them in the in the Millennium Falcon cockpit, which is crazy to think like to watch that. And if you kind of stop and think about it, just how much blue screen and matte paintings really everything is in the original trilogy. It's like using Phantom Menace as an example is really Phantom Menace was shot almost identical to the original movie where it's blue screen, but the blue screen is being replaced with models. And instead of blue screens everywhere, there's green screens everywhere. But yeah, back in 77, it's just every shot that had a window or anything, it's it's all blue screen. The Falcon, in which the intrepid
0: adventurers are traveling, is in fact a model. Designed and built by a Hollywood special effects house, it is photographed by a computer-controlled camera.
1: Oh, no. It's really it's really neat to see that the old the motion control camera thing, just how monstrous that whole rig is too. like oh. they're like working in a factory. I want to hug that thing. You want to I want to put a tray on the front and have it bring me breakfast really slowly <laughs> every morning. <laughs> Thank you, motion control rig. By photographing the model against a blue screen, it will
0: later be possible to add different backgrounds and other moving objects to the scene.
1: This can be done by means of double and triple exposures. Kind of after that we go go into a bunch of real wacky droid bloopers. Yeah, which is made even better by the goofy uh synthesizer music. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone could edit a pretty sweet music video of just droids falling and goofy synth music out of this this part. <laughs> then we head over to a focus on Carrie Fisher. While and while Harrison Ford was in sitting in a boat, Carrie Fisher is hanging out in pretty much the coolest arcade of all time (laughs) yeah the world's largest arcade it's kind of the carrying over the theme of lucas in his giant chair it's like (laughs) carrie fisher looks like she's uh, i don't know an elf or something in the world's largest video arcade and she's great i mean it's kind of like when she came on you know we've talked about this before it's like i feel like i'm always forgetting that She's not. She's not around anymore. She's not with us anymore. You know, and it's like when she came on and she was um, talking here in 1977. You know, and she's so Carrie Fisher. You know, and I was kind of like, oh man, like why you gotta go bum me out? I'm having so much fun thinking about Lucas and gumballs. Carrie Fisher
0: is Princess Leia. Born to show business, she is the daughter of Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher.
3: Playing the role of Princess Leia was. Fun, a lot of times. Well, it wasn't fun all the time. After about two hours in the garbage room, the fun started to wear off and your skin started to wrinkle and your rubber suit didn't fit right anymore. But uh, we had a good time. When we did the swing across, it was—it would have been fun if we'd been allowed to do it a second time. But we it was like doing the upside down roller coaster. We did it one time and it was scary. And then if we'd gotten to do it again, it would have been fun.
1: Then we have a focus on alec guinness who basically it's like this movie's a bunch
0: of nonsense don't ask me <laughs> alec guinness talks about playing his role in this kind of special effects film I borrow a little bit here and there but it's no good trying to think of this character in terms of a psychologically rational man there's a bit of magic about it uh and i just trust that the um, the camera <laughs> on the backgrounds will
1: provide the rest. Just trust the cameras and the backgrounds and hope it works and hope my check clears when I go to the bank. Alec Guinness needs to make a car payment. <laughs> Little does he know that Lucas is gonna pay him in gumballs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got all the gumballs you can eat, Alec Guinness. The blue the blue ones are my favorite. I like the blue ones. Look at it, they make my tongue blue. <laughs> I quit (laughs) You have to kill me out of this movie I better be dead or you're dead He slaps George Lucas and a bunch of gumballs fall out of his mouth Oh you know one thing I forgot to bring up earlier when they first talk about Obi-Wan too It's fun to hear him uh, referred to as Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi (laughs) You don't get that enough General Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi Jedi Master General Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi Gonna get into, after that, a little bit of the basics of map painting, which is kind of fascinating. And then we get some great footage from Elstree Studios, where you get to see Han in blue jeans. Smoking a cigarette. And if you, if you pay attention as the camera pans around, there's an awesome dude in the corner with this, like, red cardigan or something, just reading the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care what's going on. The guy's like, just gotta check the sports page. Whatever. Uh, this footage, too, I kept thinking, because I think they... They they show Lucas for a minute, and Elstree was kind of like when you read uh, Rensler's Making of Star Wars book. Elstree is when Lucas was having a really hard time during those parts. Yeah. And this is right around, I believe he had like a mild heart attack, and the dude was struggling during those Elstree parts, you know. And back in California, nothing was getting done with the effects, and budget was escalating, and... You can, with that one part where they show Lucas, you can kind of tell that he doesn't look happy. No, not at all. (laughs) In the Lucas spectrum of facial expressions, he really doesn't look happy there. Yeah, which is telling something, because I would think seeing Mark Hamill's giant hat would make anybody perk up. Mark Hamill's hat is, like, bigger than Carrie Fisher's head. For Lucas, these ten weeks were pressure-laden,
0: as he struggled to keep the 130-member company on schedule.
1: For the actors, it is both a time of excitement and tedium. So after that, there's some stuff, how the lightsabers were done, filming the dogfight, the, the trench run. And then we get yeah. some, some more footage of the Luke and Biggs scene. Yeah, which again, right, that's the scene from the special edition, right? Mm-hmm. But scene kind of from a behind the scenes camera, which again, I got to think people would be freaking out because it's like, wait, there's Luke and there's Biggs and they're talking to Red Leader. What is that?
2: Thank you, sir. I'll try. I gotta get aboard. We'll hear all your stories when we get back, alright? All right.
1: Hey, the adventure
0: sought by Luke Skywalker, the farm boy from Tatooine, is about to reach its
1: most dangerous moment. Well, and I always wonder, like, because remember when the special edition came out and that part was in there, and there was a ton of people who were like, well, wait, wasn't that in there once before? Or people were confused? Like, wasn't there a version where that was in? I think people were getting the making of Star Wars mixed up. Yeah, it could be. With something they had seen in the past. Like somewhere in people's brains, they're like, no, that's familiar. I've seen that. Yeah, you're right. Well, especially, too. I mean, if you if in your mind, right, the movie is pan and scan on VHS, and the scenes in here are pan and scan on VHS, like I could see you're kind of getting your wires crossed. You're like, no, oh, I know. I saw that scene. Then there's a focus on Mark Hamill, and he's surrounded by cameras, and he's got a wild haircut. Again, right? It's... The prophecy of uh, episode eight, Luke hair is basically here in the interviews with Mark Hamill. His hair is insane and he's wearing like the Joker's jacket. <laughs> so it's like all the clues are here. Yeah, I was really trying to figure out what was going on with his hair. Why didn't Luke's hair ever look like that? Yeah. Well, it did. Yeah. And now. Yeah. It only took, you know, 40 years. <laughs> the film's finally caught up to his hair from 77.
2: The character of Luke Skywalker is the one sounding board you have, and uh, like Dorothy in in Wizard of Oz or Jack Hawkins in Treasure Island, there's that one character that uh, people look to to see the reactions to everything else. He's very simple, very naive, very straightforward. Um, He's that that classic character in literature that doesn't want to stay on the farm that wants to see what's beyond and you know get off the farm and and go have a little adventure
1: we get an intro an introduction to motion control which is fascinating how the models work Mm -hmm. all about computers after that though the documentary kicks into overdrive with the disco footage and not only is it disco footage it's like A bootleg version of the Mako Disco. Yeah. It's like not even the real thing. (laughs) So it's like a copy of a copy of John Williams.
0: With the success of the film, the country goes Star
1: Wars crazy. I want to give the world's biggest shout out to the guy that does the robot that crosses the dance floor in a Star Wars t-shirt. Yes. Why he's not headlining all the conventions (laughs) is beyond me because I would that dude would get my twenty bucks in a heartbeat. (laughs) I want a whole I want guy doing the disco Star Wars robot a Star Wars story. That should be 2020 standalone movie you know if we're lucky maybe the surprises at the 40th anniversary panel is they're going to be they basically got everyone who was in this little dance party (laughs) and they're going to bring them all back (laughs) the guy that does the robot just goes across the stage yeah while the other people are dancing so there's going to be like 12 i don't know 70 year old people just dancing on stage (laughs) That's probably what will happen, because if we end up going to the Last Jedi panel and we don't go the 40th anniversary, that's what they'll do. And, like, everyone in the audience will get free gumballs, too. Yeah, we're going to miss out. I yeah, know. Lucas is just throwing gumballs, and we're going to miss it. <laughs> gumballs for everyone! Yay! <laughs> I'm going to start a petition to Lucasfilm to release the uncut disco footage. That's what the fans want. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would, you know, all the fans who want the original trilogy unaltered on blu-ray i think they would be fine with just the disco footage yes that's really what they want yes
0: star wars has spawned more star wares than anyone can count it has become an inescapable
1: phenomenon we also got a uh Awesome footage of kids wearing Star Wars pajamas in a pillow fight. The the Don Post mask being made. Yeah, watching Chewie mask get groomed is a wonderful experience. <laughs> it's very soothing. That was somebody's job. Were you thinking about that? Like, for a while there, someone's like, what'd you do today at work? Mm-hmm. I trimmed the hair of 100 Chewbacca masks. Yeah. Well, and what's great if you take the Chewbacca mask and you keep trimming the hair and you trim off a little too much, you have Gary Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs> because in the next shot, it's like there's Gary Kurtz and it looks like they trimmed off a little bit too much from the Don Post mask. I was thinking one day we need to do a whole episode just about Gary Kurtz's beard. Let's do it. do a trilogy of episodes. <laughs> a whole month worth of episodes of Blast Points just dedicated to Gary Kurtz's beard. It's a the, beautiful thing. The implications of it, where it came from, where is it today? hmm What does it mean? <laughs> what, does it, what does it represent? Yeah. <laughs> what does it have to do with the Journal of the Wills, with Chirrut and Bays? Does George Lucas have a uh, medallion with hairs from Gary Kurtz's beard in it? That's what's in the gumball machine now. <laughs> All the Gary Kurtz beard hair? Yeah, the, the, the gumball rocket. Well, yeah, and Gary Kurtz is talking about the sequels. And what about sequels? The
0: producer of Star Wars, Gary Kurtz. We've had a lot of,
2: of uh, speculation about sequels to Star Wars, and we are working on story material that will develop into potentially one or more motion pictures that will use the same characters. I like to consider them different adventures rather than direct sequels.
1: I like, too, that Gary doesn't want to give any surprises away, but Lucas and Carrie Fisher don't care. Mm-mm.
2: Obviously the Empire is still there, Darth Vader is still there, and uh, it's going to also evolve with new characters coming in, uh, new problems, new worlds.
3: It's still being written, the sequel, and we're all signed for them to do them, Mark Harrison and I, and uh, the robots, uh, 3PO and R2. But that's as far as I know. I heard that they were probably going to have an ice planet and uh, a tropical planet, like the fourth moon of Yavin.
1: A jungle planet. Tropical planet. She's like the Donnie Yen of 1977. <laughs> 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 I got pictures, too, if you want to see them. I say these cool new helmets. It's going to be called Hoth, and in the end, Darth Vader is Luke's father.
2: But then again, uh, George can do anything he wants now. This The first one has been so successful that he could set the next one in redondo beach if he chooses to do so i like to they're asking
1: the questions what about the, the future of the princess and uh yeah. what if darth vader will he get his comeuppance <laughs> which is great then you get carrie fisher basically just saying she's not afraid to say she doesn't like him
3: i don't like darth and i don't mind talking about it either i think he's a bad guy and uh i would I, i'm gonna probably do my best to shoot him next time i think he's powerful and dangerous
1: yeah, and I like Luke being like, she's really a chump if she goes for Han Solo. Yeah. She's really a chump
2: if she goes for Han Solo.
1: But She might be a chump if she went for the haircut. The whole thing kind of wraps up with a, a deep conclusion on the romantic spirit of Star Wars. The magic of Star Wars does not lie only in its
0: brilliant special effects. Its power derives from something simpler and rarer. The romantic spirit that moves in it. Before it,
1: we are all young again. And everything seems possible. Well, and don't forget, before that, you get to see Harrison Ford again on his boat. Chilling out in the boat. Talking about how big, what is it, how big the fun of Star Wars is. Yeah, it's about that much fun. It was a lot of fun. How much
2: fun? Um, About this much.
1: No. No. I'm sailing to Cancun, Ford out. Push me off, please. <laughs> then it cuts back to 3PO and R2 back in their, uh, their other dimension, where they're like, perhaps it will never end. Where will it all end? Perhaps, R2, it will never end. <laughs> so again, profits. Yep. Yeah. It's it's all here, all the secrets. (laughs) You just gotta know, just gotta look for them. Yeah, I go back in time and be like, yeah, folks, it's never gonna end, ever. It's kind of scary how far this Star Wars thing's gonna go. (laughs) Yeah. 40 years later, it's gonna (laughs) just be starting. What? Another decade and a half? Uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) I just wanna rest. Making of Star Wars, it's a classic. It is in every in every conceivable way. It's a classic. I mean, don't don't be like me and wait forty years to watch it. Watch it today. Watch it right now. Yeah, head over to the Blast Points Facebook page, and if you've watched it, watch it again. And um, if you never have, by all means, watch it. It's a great way to kick off your. 40th anniversary of Star Wars Party that you're having every day I'm sure Too
3: little short for a stormtrooper I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you It's just not a farmer, Owen He has too much of his father in
2: him I want to learn the ways of the Force And become a Jedi like my father
0: The Force will be with you Always Star Wars.
1: Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Now playing at a theater near you. So Gabe, we don't have any new iTunes reviews this week. Well, only you can change that, the listener. So when you're done listening to this episode, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, write something awesome, and we will read it on the very next episode. Unless we forget, and then it'll be on the episode after that. (laughs) Or after that. But it will happen. We promise. Which, speaking of the next episode, next episode is going to be Celebration pre-show, because Celebration is next week. Can you believe it? It's it's crazy. Yeah. It came on so fast. I know. I don't know if I'm ready. I got um, soft inserts for my shoes to prepare for walking 10,000 miles every day. That is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to remember that. Yeah, next week, we on our Celebration pre-show, we're going to be talking about what panels we're excited about, tips and tricks we have for Celebration, like shoe inserts. and um, Bringing an extra set of feet. Mm-hmm. Bringing gumballs, in case you see George Lucas wandering around, you want to make friends with him. Right. If, if you see him walking down the hallway, if you leave a trail of gumballs, you're guaranteed... Uh, <laughs> To get him to come to your uh, hotel room. Let's hang out. You got any more of those? That's how I got George Lucas out of my shed that one time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping him. Peter Coyote came to take him away. He just wanted the gumballs, sir.
0: And these last points, too accurate for sand people... Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise.
1: Check out BlastPointsPodcast.com, the website... And you'll find uh, links to shows. Uh, we got recipes. We got the weekly Darthfield comic. All kinds of fun stuff on there. And we- also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and pretty much wherever you can get podcasts. You can get blast points, right? Mm-hmm. We love answering questions on Twitter or whatever. You know, if you have any celebration tips for celebration veterans out there, or Let us know some of those, or what panels you're excited for. Let us know some of those, and we'll share them next week. Or let us know what some of your favorite parts of the Making Star Wars documentary are. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. So yeah, that's about it for episode number 67 here. Go watch The Making of Star Wars. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. (laughs) And thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. focus.